This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is America Changed Forever from CBS News Radio. I'm Jeff Begays, filling in for Gil Gross. On this edition of America Changed Forever from CBS News Radio, the January 6th insurrection. How it changed the lives of the families and friends of the officers who were seriously injured or died after trying to protect the Capitol. When someone you love and care about so much, you know, they pass away and you think, gosh, to know that he had to see and deal with what he had to deal with, that's something also that I have to live with that really, really bothers me and hurts me today. How lawmakers on Capitol Hill can't agree on how to investigate what happened and why. It happened. The House of Representatives attempted to come up with a bipartisan way of moving forward with an independent commission. Benny Thompson, the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee in the House, uh, Thompson gave in on every one of the demands that uh, the Republicans wanted. And yet McCarthy and the vast majority of House Republicans still opposed uh, the commission. And that's a commission that would have had an even number of Democrats and Republicans. And what I saw that day. We need more men up at the Capitol. We need 80 men at a time. I covered the beginning of the rally that led to the insurrection. Is all these people, tens of thousands potentially, already here this early in the morning. And they are walking this way. And the final minutes of the insurrection late into the night. Tonight, there will also be thousands of National Guard troops deploying into D.C. to help secure the city. The nation's capital under threat from what former DHS counterterrorism official Tom Warwick says uh, is the textbook definition of domestic terror. That. This is the first time I will speak publicly about my personal observations of that day and how terrifying it was seeing how anger evolved into rage. First, though, Sandra Garza my emotional conversation with her. She was Officer Brian Sicknick's partner. Sicknick suffered two strokes and died of natural causes a day after engaging with rioters during the insurrection. Garza, along with Sicknick's mother, have been lobbying members of Congress. Why did you spend so much time on Capitol Hill lobbying members of Congress? What did you want to accomplish? Well, it was very important for me to uh, get to the bottom, uh, or at least attempt to, uh, to get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th. I wanted them to, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats to be able to come together to get this 9-11 style uh, commission going um, so that that never happened again. And I thought that that would be the best way to do that. That bill would be able to accomplish that. There are Republicans who've said, hey, listen, let the FBI do its investigation. They've already arrested 
you know, more than 500 people. There are already some guilty pleas. Um, isn't that enough? Why do you need a congressional investigation? Yeah, so that really bothers me when they say that because uh, that's not enough. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there is still a lot more, uh, you know, to, to get to. Um, that's just handling the symptoms. That's not getting to the cause. Um, and, you know, with uh, FBI Director Ray coming out and saying that, you know, that there is, you know, that, that we are still very vulnerable to another serious attack. You know, he said even after uh, the January 6th riot that, you know, domestic terrorism is on the rise. And then the, the follow up report about the uh, QAnon uh, conspiracy theorists uh, being very, um, you know, uh, determined in following up on uh, since Q has kind of gone by the wayside that, you know, they no longer want to be just digital soldiers, that they really want to carry out. Um, and follow through on <clears throat> their actual, uh, you know, goal. And so we have to really take this seriously and not just uh, sit on our hands and do nothing. So it's scary. Yeah. And based on what you just told me, it sounds like you've been um, educating yourself on the threat here. Um, and I wonder, I I'm sure before well, I'm assuming that before Brian's death, that wasn't something that you were really knowledgeable about or, or were you? You know, I would say that I followed uh, what was going on in the news, but I wasn't as diligent as I am today. That is a true statement. Uh, I would say Brian was much more uh, adept at following the news than I was, but I did follow it. I mean, it was something that was important to me. But, you know, given the events of January 6th, I mean, obviously that was something that we've never seen before, any kind of attack like that on the Capitol. Uh, and of course, it touched me in a very personal way, losing someone that I loved and cared about very much. So that has made me want to become more aware. But uh, even if that hadn't happened, I, I should say Brian would have still been a Capitol Police officer regardless, even if he hadn't passed away. I still would have been very interested and disgusted by what had happened and wanted to find out, you know, what the root cause was. But obviously him passing away has made me much more passionate about it. Yes. How do you feel when you have members of Congress or, you know, the public out there dismissing the insurrection as oh, it's no big deal or Oh, it was Antifa. It wasn't Trump supporters. Uh, how do you feel when you hear that? It makes me worse. How do you feel? You know, let me let me let me say this. Let me say this. How do you feel when you hear people spreading falsehoods like that? It makes me very, very angry. Um, and at the same time, it saddens me because either it's due to ignorance or it's due to them being gaslighted uh, by President Trump. And the people who, you know, certain members of Congress who, uh, you know, basically worship him and bow down to him, which is ironic, right? Because Republicans in particular are supposed to be the party of, you know, uh, traditional Christians uh, who say that they only bow down to their higher power or God. And yet here they are falling all over themselves to worship and bow down to uh, former President Trump. Uh, so, but back to your um, 
earlier question, it's very, very frustrating. Um, and, you know, if they want to run with that narrative that it was Antifa or BLM or, you know, what other things that they want to throw out there, then they should have voted for the uh, 9-11 style commission. I'm thankful to Speaker Pelosi, uh, Congresswoman uh, Cheney and Congressman uh, Kinzinger and all of the other, uh, you know, handful. And it is sad that it's only a handful of Republicans that have stood up and said, look, you know, we need this select committee. We support Speaker Pelosi in getting this done because clearly the majority of Republicans didn't want to play ball here and get to the root cause of what happened. We need to find out what happened. This is in America's best interest. We cannot allow this to happen again. Specifically, is there a question that you personally want this commission to answer? You know, I I honestly know the answer. Uh, I just want it to be proven so that the rest of the public, uh, well, I shouldn't say that I know the entire answer. I think there's a lot of nuggets in there that the rest of the public, including myself, could find out. But I think as far as who the instigator is, uh, I know the answer, and that's uh, Donald Trump. So it is important for you that someone points a finger at the instigator, and it's something, it's an official acknowledgement that this is why that crowd got so riled up and did what it did. That's correct. Yes. And I have to really reiterate that that does not in any way excuse those people from what they did. So the people that Donald Trump riled up uh, or instigated does not in any way excuse their own behaviors. Um, I've said it before, and I really want to reiterate that again. Every single person that decided to commit violence that day to break into the Capitol. I don't care if they just were wandering around the Capitol and being nonviolent. They still made a decision to break the law and go into the Capitol, whether they actually broke glass, broke down the door. They knew what the people were doing ahead of them to get into the Capitol. They knew they were not supposed to be in there. And then for the people who actually were beating officers and committing atrocious, sadistic violence, like what happened to poor Officer Fanon and many others, Um, they need to be held accountable and they cannot blame Donald Trump for their own actions. When we come back, more of my interview with Sandra Garza. Welcome back to America Change Forever from CBS News Radio. Let's continue with Sandra Garza. There's this congressman from Georgia who said, oh, this was like people sightseeing around the Capitol. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> it's just, it, I don't know where they come up with this stuff. I just, you know, and, and I'll talk more about my own, what I saw with my own eyes that day coming up. But yeah, when I hear people say things like that, and in fact, this congressman, Clyde, from Georgia. He we have video of him boarding up doors because he was so scared. So, I, you know, it is just amazing to me that people can go on camera and make public statements that are just so false. And it happens so much these days that it's really it's distressing. And it's not that they don't know the reality of what occurred that day. It's that they are, again, worshiping Trump. Trump, they are 
worried about losing power. They're worried about uh, winning re-elections. Um, and it's disgusting. And yet they want to claim that they support law and order. They support law enforcement. They care about life. Uh, they, you know, care about all of these things. Uh, what about the poor two officers that committed suicide because they were so traumatized after the events of that day? Or the people that died uh, after uh, January 6th or during that day? In my mind, and I've said before, you know, that in my mind, Brian already died on January 6th. Brian was not the same Brian that I had communicated with that day after he collapsed, which was on January 6th. In my mind, he was already gone. And clearly that was true because the next day he officially died. But he was already dead in my mind. He was no longer the, the same Brian and he never regained consciousness. So to me, you know, he was he was gone. Did you watch the insurrection? Did you watch the insurrection unfold on television? So, no, I actually uh, was working that day. And uh, in my job, I did not have access to uh, the news. I didn't have access to television. Um, I have been working from home ever since, uh, you know, the, the COVID outbreak. Um, and so that particular day, I was uh, doing assessments all day with patients. I'm a, a licensed clinical social worker, and I was doing assessments, assessments remotely. And these assessments are, are pretty lengthy. So I had them back to back. So I really didn't have any free time to kind of check the news or turn on the news quickly. So I had no idea of what was going on. And it wasn't until uh, Brian's mother, Gladys, um, she had been texting me and I didn't know it until I had a quick break to check my phone. And she finally called me. And when I had a chance to answer, um, you know, she called me and was very frantic saying, you know, have you talked to Brian? There's something going on at the Capitol. And, you know, I knew that there was the Trump rallies going on because it had happened the day before. And so I just figured, okay, it's a little out of control because I couldn't stay on the phone with her long. You know, she didn't really go into a lot of detail and I, I, you know, I didn't get that opportunity uh, to really ask her a lot of questions. So I just assume, okay, this is just worried mama bear. You know, I'd been with Brian for many years and there'd been a lot of things that had happened at the Capitol and he, you know, he was always okay. So I just, you know, got in touch with him and said, hey, you know, get in touch with your mom, which he did. And I went back to work. So I had no idea of, you know, the, the chaos, the real chaos that was going on. Had I known, I would have been much more panicked and upset and worried. And that is one thing that really, really stays with me today that really I have a lot of a lot of pain. Uh, and uh, that I carry around with me today. If only I had been able to check the news, uh, listen to the radio or something, uh, I would have moved heaven and earth to, to you know, get in touch with him and, and more often, or heck, I would have driven down there if I could have, you know what I mean? I mean, I would have done anything I could, uh, uh, although I wouldn't have been able to do that. But you know what I mean? It's a, those are the kinds of things that, 
that you think about when someone you love and care about so much, uh, you know, they pass away and you think, gosh, if only I would have done this, or if only I, you know, would have done this. I, I mean, it's just, and also to know that he had to see and deal with what he had to deal with. That's something also that I have to live with that really, really bothers me and hurts me today. But you have been on the record saying that in the past, you and Brian supported President Trump. Yes, yes. And and part of the reason that I did uh, was because of his, uh, you know, saying that he did support law enforcement. When there was a lot of talk about defunding the police, obviously that was something that was very frightening. And I know that President Biden has come out and said that he did not support that. Um, and clearly I know that he doesn't. Um, but at the time, that was a very, very scary thing that was going around. Um, and with Brian being in law enforcement, um, and also he talked a lot about his support of uh, the military. Um, I am a, a military veteran. Brian was a military veteran. Um, and, you know, without getting too much into my uh, own politics, because I, I really don't want to focus too much on that. But um, that was a, a big part of the reason that uh, I did support him. And obviously, I know that that's all a sham. Uh, he, he talked a lot about also his love for America. Brian loved America. I love America. Uh, you know, to see people burning the American flag, to not have appreciation for America. I mean, I'm someone as well as Brian. I uh, deployed to the Middle East several times. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, how people live in different countries and not having the privileges that we have here in America. That doesn't mean that there aren't things here in America that can be done better. You know, I think in any area, you know, we can always shoot for doing something better, but it just gives me a greater appreciation for America. And that was something that Trump really talked a lot about. Of course, now I know that that's all a bunch of baloney. If you really loved America, you don't try and overtake, uh, have your people, your supporters, and really, you know, tell them to go to the Capitol and overrun the Capitol and try and, uh, you know, murder the, uh, the the vice president because he's telling you that you have a delusion going here. You did not win the election. You need to accept it. Um, this isn't a dictatorship. And that's the irony is that he talked a lot about in his recent rally is that, you know, we he said something along the lines of that, uh, you know, we need to have uh, free speech and uh, you know, Democrats don't want to do that and blah, blah, blah. But what was he trying to do? He was trying to overthrow the will of the people. Uh, and so it's really all of his talk is just that. It's just talk. And that's why I continue to talk so much, Jeff, and come out and, and speak. And I really hope that I can get to some of his current uh, supporters um, and people that support uh, some of these Republican congressmen and women that continue to support former President Trump because I want to educate them. This is all a sham. This is all a lie. It's not real. Uh, he'll say whatever is, you know, helpful to him, but it's not real. I mean, my gosh, 
Ryan was a supporter of his. I came out and said I was a supporter of his, and he has not made any effort to contact me. So when he says, I love you all, you know, you all are great. I mean, yeah, it's only when it suits him. Um, you know, he doesn't really care about any of those people. And, you know, that's what hurts me and Gladys and the rest of his family so much is that, you know, the the very people that he defended and protected that day, regardless of his cause of death, um, that and also him being a Republican, that the majority of those people have literally turned their back on him. Um, and I think that had he lived to know about, you know, one of his colleagues, a Capitol Police officer, committed suicide due to the events of that day, as well as a Metropolitan Police officer committing suicide, and then also being able to watch a lot of the footage uh, from that day and seeing his colleagues beaten and brutalized, I think he would have been horrified. He would have been absolutely horrified. And I think he would have been, uh, it would have really kind of changed his outlook on uh, his beliefs. I, I really believe that. I really do. Sandra Garza, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Stay with us. This is America Change Forever from CBS News Radio. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to America Change Forever from CBS News Radio. I'm joined now by Norman Ornstein, Senior Fellow Emeritus at American Enterprise Institute, someone with five decades of covering politics here in Washington, D.C. Let's talk about what's going on with this January 6th commission first. Sure. Um, We know that, uh, of course, we have uh, hundreds of people who have already been charged for storming the Capitol, for destroying uh, equipment, for assaulting police officers and the like uh, by the Justice Department and others. But getting to the root uh, of what happened and who planned it and how it happened really hasn't occurred yet. The House of Representatives attempted to come up with a bipartisan way of moving forward with an independent commission that uh, Benny Thompson, the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee in the House, worked with his ranking member who had been deputized by uh, the Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Thompson gave in on every one of the demands that uh, the Republicans wanted. And yet McCarthy and the vast majority of House Republicans still opposed uh, the commission. And that's a commission that would have had an even number of Democrats and Republicans with members appointed by both Democratic and Republican leaders. Uh, The Republican members appointed by Mitch McConnell, the Senate leader, in conjunction with Kevin McCarthy, that a chairman could not unilaterally 
issue subpoenas. In fact, the majority couldn't do it. You'd need to have at least one member of the minority to be able to do it or agreement by the uh, two leading members, Democrat and Republican. And that still went down. So what we have now is a uh, select committee basically crafted by Speaker Pelosi with Kevin McCarthy being able to pick some of the members, five uh, with eight uh, chosen by the Speaker. Um, The Speaker would still have final discretion, but McCarthy has not at all indicated whether he will choose any Republicans. He condemned uh, Liz Cheney, uh, who agreed to serve as one of the eight members chosen by Speaker Pelosi, even floated the idea of taking away her committee assignments, which he can't do, actually. It has to be a vote of the House, but which is extraordinary given the number of Republicans who have uh, participated in the January 6th riot, uh, palled around with white supremacists, and done other things that have not uh, been sanctioned in any way. Uh, So we're at a a bad place, I would say. It's good that we're going to have an outfit that can move forward. Whether its subpoenas will be effective is another question. Whether we really get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th remains an open question. What do the Democrats have to gain by establishing this commission? One is to keep this from fading away, making sure that the public has an understanding of what actually happened is a really important reason for doing this. The second reason for doing this is to hold accountable those people, not the ones just uh, who stormed the Capitol, some of whom had very bad intentions. We know the Proud Boys and other groups really wanted to kill members of Congress or kill Vice President Pence. There were others who did very bad things and are going to have to be punished for it, but who believed Donald Trump when he said that the election had been stolen and this was the way to uh, get justice. Um, But we also know that Donald Trump directly urged them to go to the Capitol and to bring about mayhem. We know that right before all of this happened, the top uh, political appointees of the Defense Department were removed, the acting secretary and others, and that they ignored for hours the direct pleas from major figures in the district and at the Capitol to send the National Guard. And while it was clear that there were terrible things happening and the police were being overrun, they deliberately failed to send. We want to know who ordered that or how that came about. And at the same time, we know that many of those who came into the Capitol knew exactly where all the offices and rooms were, including these, they're called hideaway offices, unmarked, no numbers on the doors, that belonged to top leaders. And they went straight to, made a beeline for those particular offices. We know that tours of the Capitol during COVID had not been allowed, but some members of Congress, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, brought in groups of people in the days before January 6th, and that some of them had maps of the Capitol, which is a labyrinth. And we know that we have one of the instigators of the insurrection in Arizona say flatly numerous times that he helped to plan it with at least three Republican members of the House. So we've got a lot of questions to answer about how this came about, how much it was pre-planned, and to hold accountable those people who were involved in doing it, including members of Congress. That makes sense. But then why do Republicans, why are they against this commission? There is first a fear of Donald Trump going after them and a recognition at the same time that two thirds of Republicans still do believe that the election was illegitimate and was stolen. And that if you get on the wrong side of those people, 
your political career is in danger, and it might be worse. As Liz Cheney has said, some of her colleagues actually feared for their lives when it came to voting for this commission or taking on the idea uh, that it was a perfectly fine thing to do. Norman Ornstein, thank you. Stay with us. This is America Change Forever from CBS News Radio. Welcome back to America Change Forever from CBS News Radio. I will never forget January 6th. I started covering the rally early that morning. The sun hadn't yet come up. All these people, tens of thousands potentially already here this early in the morning. And, they are- and I was downtown in Washington and you could see hundreds of people walking toward the ellipse where the rally was going to be held. They were wide-eyed and they were jazzed up. But, you know, we stopped. My crew and I stopped to talk to some of the people there to get their sense of what was to come that day. And frankly, no one mentioned storming the Capitol, that's for sure. In fact, I remember talking to one man, I forget where he was from, but he wasn't from D.C., and he said, uh, we were actually talking about golf, frankly, because he had a, a golf brand hat on his head, and I'm a big golfer. But it just shows you what that day was shaping up to be. I mean, large crowds, they were getting there early, and I thought that was great that you know the president uh, could rally his supporters to Washington in the way that he did. But as the sun came up, more and more people started gathering in the ellipse. And I looked across the crowd and I can see, you know, all the Trump flags. There were Confederate flags. Uh, I saw American flags. Uh, And of course, you know, as a black American, besides seeing the Confederate flag, I thought it was, you know, it was a moving scene to see all those people voicing their opinion. They wanted to be heard. They supported the president. And that was okay. We even talked to a group of people who said they were in a militia from Michigan and they had uh, fatigues on. Uh, And in fact, we allowed one of them, an older member of the group, to sit in our truck because it was a cold day. And we were, I was talking to one of the members of the militia and he said, you know, we're not like those other militias. And they didn't seem like those other militias. I mean, they were very nice to us. You know, there were a lot of people there who did not like the media, but this group, they were nice to us. And especially when we opened the doors to this uh, member of the group who was elderly. But then I was sitting in our live truck and just out of, I just happened to hear someone say battle by combat. And I was sure that I misheard that. And I asked someone who was on my team in the truck, what did he just say? And at that point, it was Rudy Giuliani at the podium. Let's have trial by combat. My team member said, he said, trial by combat. Huh. That was a phrase that first caught my eye. But, you know, no big deal. I just kept working, doing what I was doing in the truck. Uh, they were, you know, our truck was surrounded by people, Trump supporters. And then later on, the president starts speaking. Unbelievable what we have to go through. 
What we have to go through, and you have to get your people to fight. And soon, uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes after he started speaking, the tone changed. This is what I saw with my own eyes. The tone changed in the crowd. You know what else? We don't have a free and fair press. Our media is not free. It's not fair. It suppresses thought. It suppresses speech. And it's become the enemy of the people. It's become the enemy of the people. It's, a, it's the biggest problem we have in this All country. of a sudden, there was this guy with a stick beating on the truck that we were in hard, repeatedly. And I looked at him, I was trying to think, and I was, I was startled. So I looked out the front window of the truck and I was trying to figure out well, what his problem was because I've been in tough situations before. And sometimes you can reason with people to get them to calm down. So I looked at him and it was almost like his eyes were popping out of his head. I will never forget that. And then one of my young producers, a woman, she came up to the truck. She was outside in the crowd. I told her, get in the truck now. Because she could not see this guy attacking our truck with the stick at the front of the truck. So I pulled her into the truck. And I said, you know, you can't go out there. Look at this guy. Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this... We're going to walk down, and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down. Anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. So the tone changed after Rudy Giuliani and President Donald Trump spoke. There is no doubt about that in my mind. Having covered that rally and insurrection, I knew exactly when the tone changed. I will never forget what was in that mind's, that man's eyes. And he wasn't the only one. Because when I went up to the Capitol to then cover people climbing the walls of the Capitol building, and I stood on that West Lawn, there was tear gas in the air. And there were people screaming and yelling and climbing the walls. I couldn't believe my eyes. This was Washington, D.C., January 6, 2021. People climbing the walls. I stopped a woman who was in a cowboy hat walking through the crowd asking for volunteers to climb the walls and to storm the Capitol. I said, what are you doing? We need more men up at the Capitol. We need These are images and sounds that I will never forget. Days later, I would see that image of Officer Fanon being beaten with an American flagpole, a flag, an American flag on a pole 
someone was beating him with that flag and that pole. I remember thinking, like, at the moment that I got outside, like, there's a lot of damn people here. All holy hell broke loose. Uh, next thing you know, we were just, you know, in a hand-to-hand uh, -hand just battle. I was beaten. I was, you know, struck with a taser numerous times at the base of my skull. They wanted to torture an officer. I remember guys chanting, like, kill him with his own gun. Um, I went there for my brothers and sisters in law enforcement. Um, yeah, it would, there's no army on this earth that would prevent me from, uh, from fighting alongside those guys. Fortunately, he survived. He survived to now lobby lawmakers in Washington to investigate what happened. My initial feelings were a feeling of abandonment. I speak to a lot of police officers, and that's the overwhelming feeling, is that we've been abandoned. I will never forget those images. And there are a lot of people like Sandra Garza who will be living with those images for the rest of their lives. It was a sad, sad day. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to America Change Forever from CBS News Radio. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has established a January 6th. We reached out to Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office and Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy's office to get a response to questions that we have about the January 6th Select Committee. Uh, they chose not to do an interview, but here are some audio clips from comments that they have made in the past about this select committee. Here's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. January 6th was a day of darkness for our country, but the Congress returned to the Capitol to accomplish our constitutional mandate. Today, nearly six months later, be six months in a little while, many questions regarding the circumstances of this assault on our democracy and the response to it remain. It is imperative that we seek the truth as to what happened. To do that, we believe that a bipartisan commission would be the best way to proceed in the spirit of patriotism and bipartisanship and to establish an independent 9-11 type commission. I'm hopeful that that could still happen at some point. However, this morning, with great solemnity and sadness, uh, I'm announcing that the House will be establishing a uh, select committee on the January 6th insurrection. While I think we could have been better prepared, I don't think anybody would have foreseen an insurrection incited by the President of the United States. Here now, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. I regret the politics of Nancy Pelosi. For six months, she had played politics with this. So what has transpired in those six months? In those six months in the Senate, they had two committees bipartisanly investigate this and give a report. The FBI has arrested almost 500 people. The architect of the Capitol has been given $10 million. Pelosi continues to make this nothing about politics 
That's why no one really takes this serious based upon the direction of what she wants to go. If you have read the Senate report, you'd be very concerned. You're concerned to what happened on that day, but you're concerned what happened on the days before it that caused that day to happen. Why wasn't the National Guard here? There's a lot of questions why that determination was made. National Guard were doing street patrol, but not with on the Capitol. It's concerning to me why the Speaker would not would narrow the scope. Did something happen in the summer to make that decision not to bring the National Guard here? Why were the riot gears locked in a bus that people couldn't get to? All that preparation ahead of time. Why was the intel not provided and moved further? Sergeant of Arms never spoke to me prior to the meeting, prior to the 6th, during the 6th, after the 6th. There's a lot of questions that raise, and you got the Senate that went and did the work and we got a speaker that did nothing but play politics and try to drive it that way. That is This Week's America Change Forever. You can download previous episodes wherever you download podcasts. Also, you can follow me on Twitter, Jeff Begay's CBS, and on Instagram, Jeff Begay's 6. My thanks to Paul Woody Woodhull and District Productive. For Gil Gross, I'm Jeff Begay's. And that is how America changed forever. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.